disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. Welcome to the show. My friend Brad Luttrell runs an awesome uh, hunting and outdoor social media app called Go Wild. And uh, they've experienced an enormous amount of censorship from uh, the big tech companies in Silicon Valley. And I had them on my show in Denver on 630 How a while back, but we only had like eight minutes. And I wanted to talk more because I wanted to go more into detail into what happened to him and how he feels about it. So we're going to bring Brad Luttrell back onto the program. I'm looking forward to this conversation. But first, I want to big, send out a big thanks to our sponsors, uh, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. They are awesome. And uh, they are actually located right on the border of Oldham County and Louisville. So 6200 Hit Lane in Louisville. Uh, if you're looking at remodeling your kitchen, doing a total makeover, they are the place. They did our kitchen in Oldham County before we sold our house. We actually lived there for a few years with this beautiful kitchen that they did for us. And then uh, when we sold it, I'm pretty confident the kitchen's why it sold in less than a day. Um, then we had them do our master bath. So I'm not just talking about this because they sponsor the program. I'm talking about this as a customer who was very happy with the work that they did. If you're a do-it-yourselfer or a contractor, they have cabinets in stock. Uh, some of the laminate countertops, you can go ahead and get those cut the same day. And then, of course, granite will take a little bit longer, but they've got every selection that you want for granite. Give them a call. Talk to their designers, 502-930-3304, 502-930-3304. Or just go to the website, louisvillecabinetsandcountertops.com. Also, big thanks to Bourbon City Golf Carts, new sponsor to the program. You can uh, find them located in Charlestown, Indiana, just 10 miles from Louisville's East End Bridge. Shop anytime on their website or visit their indoor showroom. 0% interest for three years with approved credit. I mean, who's doing that right now, right? That's pretty awesome. Um, and by the way, for a limited time, if you mentioned that you heard about Bourbon City Golf Carts on this show... Um, they are going to include a free gift, a Christmas gift with any golf cart purchase between now and the end of the year. It's a $299 value. So a $300 value, dude, all you got to do is mention that you heard about it on Leland Conway's podcast, the disruption zone. A lot of people are buying, uh, golf carts. We've got a couple of them in our neighborhood. They're pretty cool for like running around the neighborhood. If you use them to play golf, um, or just running errands and stuff, man, it's, it's, it's awesome. And a lot of people are getting into this and they've got a ton of inventory. Go to bourboncitygolfcarts.com. You can see all of their inventory, check out the current deals and you can contact them anytime. Uh, again, they are at 7129 Stacy road in Charlestown, Indiana, just 10 minutes away from the East End Bridge, 502-718-0757, 502-718-0757. And now our conversation with Brad Luttrell. So one, those of you that listen for a long time know that I'm, I'm super concerned about big tech um, and big tech's suppression of free speech and big tech's thumb on the scale, if you will, of how we live our lives. And a while back on my radio show on uh, 630K How in Denver, um, I spoke to Brad Luttrell. He's an awesome dude that founded a pretty cool company based in Louisville, Kentucky, um, and it's called Go Wild. And um, he is with us now. And the reason I wanted to talk to him on the podcast was because we didn't have enough time to get into just how bad things got with big tech censorship <laughs> of his company. So welcome back, sir. It's good to talk to you again. How are you, my friend? 
Uh, it's good to talk to you too, Leland. Thanks for giving me a chance to kind of share some of the real, you know, real life happenings that, uh, that are going on. Like I said, a lot of people have no clue. Um, I think, I think when it happens to you, you start to put it together, but people that don't deal with this and I talk about it, they think I'm making it up. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, well, you know, and that's, I was actually thinking about this this morning. I was thinking about how we, we live in a, a nation now where bureaucracies are really running our lives. Our, our Congress of both parties has kind of eschewed their duty um, to make legislation. I think a perfect example of it, not to get into this, but you know, a perfect example of it is the ATF is now making arbitrary gun law. We've got HHS making laws about how we live our lives uh, in terms of during the pandemic. And a lot of people don't really think about things until it comes to their shore, right? Until it comes to their front door. And so we don't realize when certain sectors of the economy or certain sectors of society get suppressed, be it from, you know, private companies that are in cahoots with the government or or from the government itself, then, you know, there's there's an old idea that, you know, by the time everybody wakes or other people wake up, everybody else will have already been taken because they will already have been silenced. So it's like, what are you going to do when they come for you when everybody else has already been silenced? So, um let me let me start by getting a little information for those that didn't listen to the live show. Tell me about Go Wild. Tell me about your company and what you do, because it's very controversial stuff, by the way. <laughs> yeah, to some, like to me, hunting is as old as mankind. So yeah. you know, it's it's crazy that it is controversial. But so we started. I, I a lot of people think I come from the hunting industry. I don't, man. I I was a I was an advertiser. I grew up in southeastern Kentucky. I grew up hunting. I was I wasn't you know really good at it. Like we did it casually, and right. uh, I grew up fishing casually, and then really liked off road. Loved the outdoors, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I go and I, I'm working in advertising, and you know to cut a long story short, I really wanted to do my own thing. So I spent several years trying to figure out what company I wanted to start. Simultaneously, I was trying to learn how to whitetail hunt. You know, and get get you know uh, skilled in this area to where I could at least you know, get what I would deem a good buck and, and you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying <laughs> right. to learn all this stuff online because my dad never deer hunted. I had no one to learn from this. So I'm doing it all online. And a couple things started happening that made us realize or me starting with me, but then pulled in other guys to help found co-found the company. Um, so I, I started to see that in general, there was an opportunity to have a niche platform where I could talk about this content because I noticed that anytime I put stuff on Facebook, it always brought in negative comments. There was a lot of harassment that would happen. I even had uh, one of my bosses at the time comment on a post when I did get a deer. I posted it and he said, do you feel like a man now? <laughs> you know, like like chastising me for providing food for my family. Right. And right. so uh, that comment alone really like burn me, you know, mm -hmm. the fact that someone in a leadership role would say something like that to me, but it's like, well, if I want to connect around what I love to do, where else do I go to talk about that? Right. So there was this realization of having a place where we can get out of the noise and talk is one thing, but the harassment that Facebook was allowing and, and Instagram were allowing on these platforms of hunters to me showed a, a business opportunity. We, when we founded the company in 2016, we said, I think they're going, if they're allowing the harassment of, of the, their own users for hunting, they're kind of making a statement of how they're going to do this when it comes to dealing with the industry. Right. So we predicted in 2016, which was before really a lot of these regulations existed, that Facebook was going to start to crack down on gun companies. Now, obviously you couldn't sell guns on Facebook. That, that was a like 
pretty much always been there. Right. And I even know one of the guys that wrote the policies for this kind of stuff. Uh, and I've talked to him about how all this came to be. But, you know, over time, they've gotten to where they've built this artificial intelligence that it's really keeping companies from even being able to advertise something like binoculars because the artificial intelligence scans it, sees camouflage, associates right. it with hunting. And now these small businesses uh, like us get dinged. And, you know, once your quality score gets dinged on Facebook, it's really tough to ever advertise there again. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand this. I've even pitched this to big time newspaper reporters trying to get them to call attention to the fact of what Meta is doing. And, you know, they don't they're like, wow, I had no idea that any of these problems exist. And then they don't write about it uh, because it's a marginalized audience that they're not interested in. Right. But so we, in 2016, we started founding the company. Uh, it was a social media company, really creating a place where you could talk to people near you, get really good advice uh, from locals. And in, a, in an environment where, you know, you weren't going to have all of this, uh, this, this throttling of your voice. And the business model was that, hey, we're going to have a big collection of hunters and anglers. And, you know, the companies that can't advertise on Facebook are going to want to advertise through us. Right. Uh, to fast forward this, the the business model changed with covid because covid right <laughs> you right. know covid hits and the advertising model was not great so uh companies couldn't advertise because the supply chain got decimated they couldn't advertise because they were on, even our contacts are getting laid off so today uh to fast forward to answer your question in a, in a brief summary today go out is a social commerce platform where you can go onto the platform you can share your hunting and fishing story you can tag the gear you're using and then when you're shopping, you can actually see all that content tagged to the gear. So you really get a feel for the quality of the gear, who's using the gear. You can dialogue with those people, ask them if they recommend those boots or that camo or whatever it is or that, that fishing rod. And, and from there, uh, you know, we have a reward system that as you shop, as you interact on the platform, you, you get points. And those points unlock things like free T-shirts, $10 gift cards. You know, we have uh, some really nice discounts off of brands that you can earn. So uh, that that's where we are today. But the, the censorship component is still at our core. I mean, this is still – it's only gotten worse. You know, it's platforms like TikTok are, are – really egregious and aggressive on how they handle our audience, you know? So, uh, I think the, it's not that, that we've become any less focused on the censorship side just because we, our business model changed like that part has stayed true to who we are and will always be there. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned TikTok. Um, I was just reading an article this morning about a, a challenge on TikTok to where there was a young teenage mom, uh, who was killed in New York this last weekend, um, they stole a car and they were joyriding in the car that they stole and there was a crash and she died. Um, and that was from a TikTok challenge. So I, I find it fascinating that, you know, TikTok isn't working hard to stop the TikTok car th theft challenge, um, but they are all over, you know, coming after hunters, you know. Um, by, by the way, incidentally, I'm, I'm getting ready for, uh, an elk hunt this next week. I'll be leaving. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Where are you going? I'm going to Maroon Bells Wilderness in Colorado, which is about three hours drive from where I'm at. Well, normally it's three hours drive, but there's a bunch of snow up there right now. So I might have to go around the other way. So it might be a seven hour drive, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, well, good luck. yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Well, it, well, I'm also terrified because, you know, I, I grew up in a family that was very friendly to hunting and fishing, but like you, I'm, I'm a newbie to it and I've, this will be my third elk hunt, and uh, um, all my buddies bailed on me this year. So I'm going solo, and I'm oh, going yeah, awesome. and I'm, I'm going solo in an area that's a wilderness, which means no motorized vehicles. 
Yeah. Um, right. So everything is hike in, hike out. And so I'm terrified of like, what if I actually get something? How the hell am I going to get it out by myself? You know? Yeah. So, but to me, that's why I think what you guys are doing kind of plugs a gap because I think there's a hunger for these things. And it blows my mind that people consider it controversial because, you know, even, even, you know, Second Amendment gun issues aside, there's there's no country in the world practically that doesn't have some kind of hunting culture because of what you said about how, um, you know, primal it is to man to to actually hunt. It it's part of our DNA. It's part of how we connect with nature and the cycle of life. There's so. two sides to this. So one one side is, and this is problematic because Facebook at the volume they see of content, they get it wrong 200,000 times a day, yes. I think, by, by their own data. Yes. And the challenge here is that a lot of this stuff they have to use, you know, this is an inconceivable amount of content, right? Like, I can't even imagine what they're dealing with. Uh, I, I do empathize a little bit in how hard it is because they're dealing with terrorist beheadings. Sure. You know, sure. Um, they're, they're dealing with suicides. They're dealing with things like the Christchurch streaming um, you know, the, the psycho that, that killed, you know, 50 some people on a live stream. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a really interesting book that came out recently, uh, that, that highlights a lot of the challenges that these platforms deal with. Um, it's called like, comment, subscribe. It's about YouTube yes. and it highlights how, uh, you know, you would find it really interesting cause it talks about how, uh, conservative voices became really popular on YouTube. And then there's this, what, what typically happens is there'll be a fringe piece of content that concerns moderators. And so you can think of a really extreme end of the conservative spectrum. Something happens and they, they do something to the algorithm to tweak it, to, to respond to that. And there's usually an overcorrection that happens. So for, 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 you know, things, I think anyone as a firearm owner would agree that we should not incentivize mass murderers right. by allowing them to live stream. Right? right. Like that's insanity. Right. Uh, but what we don't want is that the, the algorithm gets so tweaked to the other direction that I can't post about my gun that I legally own that I use for deer hunting, not mm -hmm. poaching. It's a legal act. It feeds my family. Right? right. And that's often where it goes. Now, now that's, Facebook and YouTube approach um, hunting and fishing. You know, uh, just last summer, face uh, YouTube kind of stepped in a little bit deeper in that they demonetized the act of showing someone how to process wild game, right? And basically butchering. Up until then, they had been pretty cool about it, uh, but you know, now we're starting to see that kind of stuff happen. But TikTok, man, that is one that it is it is to the point like they are just very blatantly saying like no we don't want that here right. you know so you're seeing a lot of people i've read articles where there's this culture of people that are developing on tiktok that are using euphemisms or analogies to say things because tiktok you know it, just think about the power of these platforms where they can transcribe what you're saying in real time Right. That is scary stuff, man, because right. I could basically in the algorithm. Literally, it's this easy. You can go in and say, well, we're going to cut the reach down for anyone that mentions the military. We're going to cut that down. Uh, we don't want to have that kind of narrative in our platform. Yeah. Or when they mention veterans or hunting or firearms or ammunition and people think I'm making this stuff up. And so uh, I, I actually started to to like trying to tell people, like, no, this is happening. This is not me preaching 1984. 
that Big Brother's watching, Big Brother is already actively limiting your reach when you talk about narratives that they don't want in their platforms. Right. For example, on LinkedIn last fall, I, I started to notice that when I mentioned veteran, when I mentioned censorship or censored or military, firearms, venison, un- uncensored, I was getting less reach. And on my LinkedIn account, um, you know, I'm not a huge influencer or anything, but I was averaging around 7,500 people per post reached. And then sometimes that would go up to 50,000 people, right? You know how it goes. Right. Something goes viral, you get a good reach. Uh, it was not unusual for me to hit 20,000 on, on a post for that was a week. But when I would mention certain words, uh, like I've actually got it up here in front of me because I, I wanted to call this out. When I mention venison, I get 60.9% of my normal reach on LinkedIn. Wow. When I, when I mentioned pandemic, 46.5% of my normal reach. And, and people have seen this one because you'll start to see people misspell stuff, right? People spell COVID and they'll use a parentheses bracket to start it with the C because they figured out, like, if I say the word, I am not getting any reach. I, when I mentioned COVID, I would get 40% of my normal reach. Ammunition takes it down to 46.6%. And and so you can start to see, like, okay, I, I have to just talk around these things, right? Like, I can't say ammunition, even though at Go Out, one of our larger advertisers here is an ammunition company. That's my business model. You should, you should use four-legged ungulate next time. Yeah, exactly. I know, <laughs> See right? If they like, recognize it. <laughs> some of my followers on LinkedIn laugh because I, I have to like write around things or I'll just put like a, you know, for an A, I'll put an at sign in there. Mm. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And, it, and that's on a less sophisticated algorithm like LinkedIn. When we're talking about TikTok, you can't even do that, really. The people think that they're tricking that algorithm with this this stuff on TikTok. TikTok, TikTok is using machine learning and artificial intelligence to scan the imagery. Right. Uh, the first post I ever did on TikTok got taken down because I was holding a gun. Right. You know, and, and it was weird because I was holding it behind my head, and so the butt of the gun was on one side, and the stock was on another. They still were able to scan that image wow. and see that I had a firearm well, in it, and it was that, taken down. That that app was built to spy on Americans anyway, so it's <laughs> that's what that whole know, thing was but, for. So. Yeah. Well, and 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 it's super controversial. The thing, uh, people ask me why I'm using TikTok, and I'm like, I I do understand. That uh, there is China basically has access to that anytime they want right. to. There's right. no, there's no like you don't have to show. As long up as you with, go uh, into it knowing, yeah, knowing what it is. So yes, and so I'm like the things I'm posting about on there, uh, like just you know, it, it's crude commentary on hunting, and I say crude like we were. Uh, one of the most recent videos I posted was about gutting a deer. And there's a part of gutting a deer that you run into that everybody has a little challenge with of the butt, right. you know. And so we were making jokes about that. Like that's the if China wants that from us, go for it. <laughs> I think that where where it does, uh, there are concerns that I have about the platform overall. In that I, I I don't live in China, so I can't see this, but I have been told that they serve different quality of content to their audiences. To where their kids are instead of doing stupid dances they're right. interested in science experiments yeah, right i've heard that, that too. to me that to me is far more frightening uh and that this is people like to pick on or say this about tiktok but it, it's everything man uh google has the most overreach and power of any company in the world in my opinion because they are the number one search engine. People go to Google for the truth, right? Right. They own the second largest search engine, which is bigger than all the other search engines combined, which is YouTube. Right. You know? Right. And and there, it is scary now because TikTok is trying to directly come after that business for Google. Uh, they just recently expanded their their caption volume, and people are like, "Oh, great! I can write longer captions." 
but it's because uh, TikTok is coming after Google's lunch. And you may have seen uh, Google took a bath uh, on the stock market this week because they actually, for the first time, YouTube uh, did not grow. It actually lost rev ad revenue. And so there's definitely some impacts that are happening from all this stuff. Uh, and it's scary, man. I mean, to think that there's someone that controls the source of truth. And, you know, again, people should read these books about these social media companies because then you start to see like how easy it is for them to say, we're not going to serve up news from this organization anymore right. because of this one-off post that we don't like. Well, you know, that, that stuff happens. Well, and it's it's so insidious. I mean, you go back to the Hunter Biden story before, um, you know, before the 2020 election, and you had this story, which was broken by the second oldest newspaper in the United States of America, founded by Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. And suddenly every single major big tech outlet is literally banning it from being posted. And I, I want to go back to something that you said a little bit earlier when you talk about words. Um, you know, I was actually thrown in Facebook jail for 24 hours early in the pandemic because I repeated what my doctor told me. And that was um, get a lot of exercise, eat a whole foods diet, get a lot of vitamin D to build up your immune system so that you can best avoid or mitigate the effects of COVID. So basically there was no hard concrete statement in there. I didn't say one thing cures COVID. I said it, it'll help you avoid or mitigate it by having a strong immune system. That got me in Facebook jail. And I want to go back to what you were pointing out about these, these sort of arbitrary things in words. So I started using, you know, when I talk about the vaccine on social media, I use the shot that shall not be named. And so far that's somewhat worked. But I've seen exactly what you what you point out. So if I post something on Facebook, you know, I've got uh, I never did the fan page. So I did because I, it just felt weird to me. But I have the full max 5000 friends and I've got over 8000 followers. So, you know, combined audience of 13000. If I post a picture of my dogs and I put a little caption up about my dogs, it'll get, you know, four or five, six hundred likes easy within a couple of hours. Yep. If I post a story, just a link to a mainstream media article about covid it will get one or two likes or reactions like literally yeah. silenced and the thing that bothers me about what you said is that when we talk about these algorithms because you point out they can get so sophisticated and they can get so specific and they can get so they can dive so deep into the content but then when people complain about censorship they go well it's our algorithm and it just catches everything but that's not true based on what we know that they can do. So really what they're doing is it's not just that they're banning particular points of view about certain topics. It's that they're banning certain topics altogether. In other words, it's not just that we don't want you to say X about something. It's that we don't want you to talk about that something at all. That, yep. that is so Orwellian in its nature because when you go to like something as simple as hunting, which again, I think people need to be concerned about this. You know, a lot of people might say, well, I'm not a hunter, so I don't really care if this guy was oppressed by the social medias or whatever, right? No, yeah. it matters because it's when, they, when they're done with the hunters, they'll come for someone else next, right? Um, and so it, I, I'm not buying this idea that they can't help it, you know, that they just have to put these broad algorithms in place to sort of stop misinformation when in reality they can help it because we know how specific their algorithms can be. It's just that they've chosen not to help it. They want yes. to ban conversation around certain topics entirely. What's interesting is you, you typically have 
you know, historically, and over the last 20 years or so, since, since Facebook's come on the scene and really scaled in a way that no other company in history has ever done. And now you have Twitter, we have TikTok, we have YouTube. The, the, these giant platforms have typically been run by fairly left-leaning organizations, or at least the policy creators are in a, a bubble, right? Silicon Valley, a lot of the, uh, you know, they'll point out like, oh, well, our moderators live all over the world. And that's true because they pay them pennies in other countries and they have to sit and go through hours of looking, reviewing these reports of suicides, beheadings and all the things I mentioned earlier. But the policies they're they're executing on are built in Silicon Valley. Right. And right, right now we have an interesting thing going on uh, on a couple different fronts in that, you know, uh, on one extreme, we have Kanye West, who ha- stirred up a world of controversy and gotten kicked off Twitter. He's lost all of his ad deals with all over the place. And he's like, screw it, I'm going to go buy my own social media platform, right? So he's trying to uh, buy Parler right now. That That's like one extreme. On a more interesting uh, component of the, or on a more interesting spectrum here to me is what happens with Twitter with Elon Musk taking over. Uh, you know, it's interesting because we have so many people that are freaking out and saying that billionaires shouldn't own social media platforms. And I'm like, when have billionaires ever not owned I mean, social media platforms? What's, what's you know? Zuckerberg? Right, right, exactly. Or Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey's a billionaire. I mean, he doesn't own it anymore, but, you know, he's on an island somewhere enjoying his... He's not running it. I think he still owns... uh, He he does own a portion of it, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll commend him. During the the pandemic, he was selling off his shares like crazy to try to help nonprofits. It was actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, And I, I think I've read that book, too, Hatching Twitter. It's really interesting. I think his intentions on keeping a neutral conversation were, uh, originally good i think in execution of this twitter has started i mean it's very clear that twitter started to throttle uh conservative voices over time right oh, yeah, but absolutely. people are freaking out right now because elon's buying it and he's saying no we're going back to big fair right right, like, right. And, and so now you have people freaking out saying that elon shouldn't be allowed to buy twitter did you see him walk into control. hq with the sink and I, then I, his I, tweet I was let picture. that sink in <laughs> <laughs> I saw that circulating, and uh, I was—I was like, "Is this photoshopped?" I didn't know. That no, it's real. Was he walked in with a sink. It was like I'm walking into HQ at Twitter. Let that sink in. My <laughs> like, oh God, dude, it's so crazy though. But like, the, that's another example of you know becoming frustrated to a point with with the, the the dynamics of it all. Of you know trying to do something about it. I think Elon buying, like, if it was, is this good or not? I think it's good, if nothing else, to have some diversity in who controls these platforms. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, because most of them, the moderation policy is pretty much the same. You know, you're going to get throttled or censored for talking about the same types of things. And we brought up hunting, we brought up COVID, but there's other things you can talk about that get you centered, censored. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. on the other end of the spectrum, from the, the conservative side, uh, drugs. You know, legal legalizing marijuana is something that is often. I, I talk to people that are. Uh, they'll come to me and say, man, I saw your post about hunting and it's the same thing I'm dealing with. Right. Right. And so we have this landscape of things that are legal. We could pick drugs, we could pick hunting, whatever it is, firearms. And you have these platforms saying like, yeah, I know you, I know that's legal, but we don't want you talking about that. We don't want you spreading your propaganda around these things that we don't like. Right. TikTok. I posted a, a video on TikTok. One of our guys, um, went out West, went bear hunting, got a black bear, and was talking about processing the animal and my video got taken down because it, it said it was graphic and they don't allow <laughs> gore on the platform. And I'm like, well, 
let me get this straight. If I posted a cheeseburger, you guys would be cool with that, <laughs> even though that's a dead animal, right? It's like ground but, up but, dead animal. Right, right. But there, there becomes a point at which they're saying, all right, that's cool. That doesn't offend us. But if you show it too early in the process, we don't want people to realize that their food comes from something that was living. You know, you can't talk about that here. And that's where it's insanity to me. Like, I can't believe the the level at which a good portion of the country just turn a blind eye to how these platforms treat, you know, all the, all of this legal activity. Well, but I think it's because you know, you have the masses and then as a free country, we branch off into the various things that we like and that we find interesting to us. And um, the masses tend to not all be in that majority in those various different areas. And again, when you start picking away at the edges, you know, you're eating a cookie until there's only a crumb left. And when that final crumb wakes up and goes, oh, hell, they, they're taking all my rights away. The rest of the cookies already been eaten. So they don't have anybody to support them at that point. And I mean, it's the lessons of history that I guess human beings never learn. And the, I think the thing that concerns me the most about this, Brad, is the 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 merger now between government and big tech in this endeavor. Right. Like like, again, the the because of the Facebook interview with Joe Rogan, we now know that the FBI visited Facebook prior to the 2020 election and said, hey, hint, hint, wink, wink, there might be a story breaking. We think it's the Russians. And then the next thing you know, the Hunter Biden story, which was real and had nothing to do with the Russians, gets censored. So now we have this, and then now we have um, Alex Berenson's lawsuit against Twitter, which he won, thank God. Um, and in the discovery of that lawsuit, we find that the White House, because Alex Berenson, the, the, the crime that he was committing was sharing peer reviewed studies that were showing information that was putting some of the mainstream information we were getting about covid in a negative light. And all he's doing is sharing these scientific papers and Twitter bans him. And now we find from that discovery of that lawsuit, thank God, that the White House basically went to Twitter and said, what are you doing about this Alex Berenson guy? The, the president of the United States didn't want somebody who's a free American expressing their freedom of speech on this platform and this platform complied. So this is like it's one thing if a platform says, you know, we don't like hunters, which I, I, I think is egregious. It's another thing when it progresses to the next step and it's the government. And that private sector saying, what else do we not like? Let's censor that as well. And they're working hand in hand. I don't think people realize that danger and how 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 present it is upon us right now. Yeah. And I don't think people honestly, they don't they don't realize how much is also beneath the surface. You know, we just talked about some examples. But uh, last year, we actually decided to stop advertising on Facebook overall, a because we've been kicked off of there twice um, and it. I could go into detail on how what that looks like, but effectively, the the Adam or the uh, the example I usually tell people is binoculars. That was the one product that got, has gotten us kicked off of Facebook from advertising twice. Wow! And it started to come out last year. The Wall Street Journal just started hammering Facebook the last August and September, and you know people are arguing over some things on Facebook, like oh I. I uh, called someone a, a he and they prefer a she and I got put in Facebook jail. And it's like, sure, we could talk about that. But can we talk about the fact that Facebook is being used for drug cartel recruitment and they know about it and don't do anything about it? Can we talk about the fact that they are knowingly impacting our teen girls, how they feel about uh, themselves and have been, it's been proven by their own data that is as high as like 6% of teen suicides are attributed to Instagram 
uh, problems with Instagram, and they th- they think that number is quite small. I don't know about you, but yeah. I you know as someone with girls, like I feel like like that's a, a sign to me that my children will never use meta platforms. Like, right, this is never gonna. I mean, sure, when they turn eighteen, uh, they can do whatever they want. But when when a platform is saying that any acceptance of teen girl suicides is acceptable right. to me, and they, Adam Mosery, the head of Instagram, called it quite small with the quote. <laughs> wow. Um, and, and so that's how they feel about these. And, and people get hung up on the things that are really close and near and dear to their heart. But I'm like, I get it. But really, like as much as I love hunting and I think conservation is critical, the lives of our children yeah. is the like that to me outweighs everything. Yeah. And it gets lost in a lot of the noise but th- these platforms will choose growth and profit pretty much every time so that they marginalize an audience like like hunters because they don't see it as the bigger part of the picture uh, or or you know whatever it could be a cbd shop uh, a lot of the cbd guys complain about social too because they get throttled um but you know ultimately a lot of what it comes down to is they're choosing growth in the areas that they see the most opportunity. And then they do, you know, at times, like you said, accelerate narratives uh, without really fact. There's just tons of examples of, of narratives that have accelerated without fact checking. Right. I mean, we saw that last year with, uh, you know, Dr. Malone went on Joe Rogan and without even listening to the podcast, a lot of people started, you know, piling on. And then all of a sudden he's getting kicked off platforms. Right. And the, the show was condemned. People are calling for Spotify's heads, which I, I can, commend them for standing by their, right. their con you know they did not i think they added some uh, automated if, if he talks about COVID, it has a warning on it but they didn't take him down uh but uh, what was funny is some of the things he said on that show nobody mentioned a week later when right. who came out and said uh actually you know what uh this this vaccine is not it, it, the, <laughs> the virus has mutated and it's not as effective and you can take it and you're probably still going to get COVID. right nobody <laughs> talked about that that was a huge part of what he talked about on that podcast yep but if you if you supported it you got throttled you you may have even been deleted for spreading mis- vaccine hesitancy and misinformation you know it, it, and like despite the fact that we just lived through probably the most horrifying uh two years of censorship and seeing how quickly these levers can be pulled, it's kind of like we came out of it. People are like, oh, okay, we're cool again. Like yeah. if, if, if yeah. it's not hitting them, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think that's what terrifies me the most. And it's, it's actually what terrified me the most about the pandemic was how quickly uh, people complied out of, mm-hmm. out of fear. And it showed me that all you need is to create an emergency, whether it's real or not. And you can do whatever the heck you want because free people will gladly lay their, lay their freedoms down. I mean, I was, I was, um, I had to go to a meeting last night and I was up in Denver and and I uh, had to stop at a, you know, King Supers, which is our version of Kroger out here to grab something for my wife. And I I was walking through the parking lot and it was just an inordinate number of people in this area of Denver that were wearing masks outside. They're walking around with masks on. And I'm like, you you guys are slaves to fear. I mean, that's what you are. I mean, it's like there's you're outside. We have fresh air here. It's, I know. It blows yeah. my mind. But but um people will give up those freedoms easily if they're afraid. And that's that's what we've seen over the last couple of years. And it, it is terrifying to me because now we're back to normal and everybody's like, Yeah, we're back to normal. And I'm like, we're not back to normal. Like the whole economy is screwed up. As a result of the bad decisions we made, the test results are coming out on our kids from the last two years, and we basically abused them for two years because while they were developing, we were covering their faces up, and they couldn't get facial cues, or they couldn't even go to class. I mean, it's 
it's insane. Well, it turns out printing uh, printing forty percent more money or whatever the yeah. we did uh, also you know might it have turns out that devalued the dollar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might cause a little Shocker. bit of inflation. I mean, it's like so, but yeah. everybody's just kind of going back into this zombie state where it's like, oh, everything is fine again. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. It's kind of it's kind of screwed up. <laughs> yeah, man, I I have real concerns about who controls the narrative and how easy that narrative is to get. Uh, turned yeah. i mean yeah i i do understand some of the concern like you know flashing back to COVID, it was it was scary times in march right mm-hmm. like you know uh we didn't know anything about this sure. and uh, a lot of those companies also had information before we did um because you know a lot of these investors have investors from from overseas like they were operating at a level of of information and insight that we didn't have well did you see the did you see the wall street journal report yet that was two or three days ago where they came out with this report of all the government officials that profited uh, yeah, dude, I, I was just asking somebody about that. Though. They yeah. was like, I know I read about some of these guys that bought stock in Slack uh, or not with Slack and Zoom and some of these companies. Yeah. And I'm like, where did we ever follow up on the insider so, trading? That happened? <laughs> what, what's interesting, the Wall Street Journal did a deep dive on this and, and they they named a few names. They didn't get too specific on names, but they actually looked at the data. And for um, National Institute of Health uh, employees, um or officials, treasury officials, and um, there was uh, where where was it? There was there was two or three different agencies that all had ties to situations. What they found was so for National Institute of Health. Get this: uh, in the month of January, which nobody knew about the virus in January, as far as as far as you and I, in January yeah, twenty twenty right. or January twenty twenty, I think it was or nineteen or whatever it was, we were all just going about living our lives, doing our thing, and. There was 150% more transactions from federal officials in the NIH in the stock market than a normal month that month. And what it turned out to be was selling stock because they knew there was going to be a drop. And then you go over to the Treasury Department, and in March, right before the passage of the big stimulus bill, there was a bunch of buying. They were buying stocks while they were low because they knew that the stimulus bill was going to artificially pump up the market, and that's exactly what happened. So they sold when they knew that it was going to crash, and they bought before they when they knew that it was going to go up, and all of that happened before you and I had any idea that this stuff was going on. It's wild, yep. dude. It is wild, and you know I'm. I will give. I mean, the Wall Street Journal does a pretty good job of hammering those narratives. I'm glad to see that there's some reporting on that. But you know, the, even with the insight that these big tech companies had, how many times have we seen you know someone being slapped uh, and throttled on a social platform for uh, promoting vaccine hesitancy? Right. When when really you know again going back to what's legal like. To me, these platforms need to operate more of on, from a freedom of speech perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, short. Uh, what's the? Uh, you know, I went to journalism school, and uh, I think the the one like shouting fire in a theater is not considered freedom of speech. Right. Like there is a level where it does um, become dangerous, but questioning authority should always be allowed, right? Like that. Yeah. We've gotten to a point though to where. You know, you can be your account can be removed because, you know, uh, of these arbitrary rulings. Um, you know, I, I, I again, I will commend Joe Rogan because if, if nothing else, he gives some of these people a chance to come on and actually discuss what happened. One of the most interesting Rogans. I don't listen a ton um, very infrequently anymore because I just don't have time to listen to many podcasts. But uh, one of the more interesting ones I've ever heard was uh, Tim Poole, who 
whatever your opinion of is on him is he went toe to toe with Vidya and um, who's is uh, the head counsel for Twitter yeah. and Jack Dorsey. Yep. And they got on there trying to say, you know, oh, well, we didn't do this. And he's like, actually, here are the dates. Here's the emails, you know, <laughs> right. and, and all of the people that you've censored. You know, if anybody wants to hear really a deep, deep dive on what we're talking about and how these, uh, you know, these these people that create friction with the narrative, uh, how they get treated on these platforms, that podcast, I don't know what episode it was, but look for Tim Pool and Jack Dorsey on Rogan. Like that highlighted it really well for me, how yeah. this stuff goes down. Well, and I think for specifically Rogan, I think has done a lot because of the size of his audience to promote free speech in general, because he can get these guys on and he has these conversations with them and he challenges them a little bit. And, yeah, you know they're friendly conversations, but it he it does allow for you know Jack goes on and says one thing, and then and then I'll, then you've got them all together, and sometimes they're confronting. They did that with Alex Berenson, who um, is also against marijuana, which I disagree with Alex Berenson on. But he had a debate in which he had somebody that was pro at the same time that he you know and and it gave people right. a chance to listen to these conversations and determine for themselves what do I think about this issue and. Um, that's what that's what we're missing when big tech companies jump in and they start to put their finger on the scale and and push it one way or the other. So, yeah, it's terrible. Well, if they stuff. would if they would own the fact they do this, it'd be it'd probably be a different story. What I can't stand is you know uh, for Mark Zuckerberg to testify and say no, we're, we are uh, we're we're not a news organization. We're right. not curating when they literally hire groups to determine the truth and right. to, you know, and th yeah, that's a third party. You can say that that's the best way to handle it. Um, but you know, they, they aren't to me, they aren't transparent enough to people about, um, what they actually do to limit speech. Well, the, the, the argument, like when you go back, you mentioned the fire in a the theater. I, I, I love when people bring up this as an example of limits on free speech. There aren't actually any limits on free speech. It's what, what are we defining as free speech? Right. If I yell fire in a theater, that's not free speech. It doesn't even exist as free speech. That's a threat. If, if there is no fire, then mm -hmm. I am deliberately trying to hurt people. That is not free speech. It's not, it doesn't even fall into that category. It falls into the category of a crime, a, a criminality, because it is, in, in fact, it is a version of an attack on individuals. I may not be hitting them with a baseball bat, but I am intending for them to be hurt. <laughs> by stamping all, trampling all over each other as they run out of the theater. So when we say there's limitations on free speech, there actually aren't. There's things we can't say because what we say, when we say that, that is in effect a crime because it's actually, you know, I can't say I'm going to kill you, Brad, because that's right. a threat. That is a threat of action to terrify you and then to potentially intimidate you and then to potentially follow through on that. So I'm not speaking an opinion when I say I'm going to kill you. I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm committing a crime. But when I'm speaking right. an opinion, no matter how radical it is, our founding fathers understood that we had to protect the most radical of free speech because who determines what is radical and what is not, right? And personally, I like to know who the idiots are. So when people say stupid <laughs> things, I get to call them stupid. That's the game, right? And well, so, not on Twitter anymore. You're you, right. You can be kicked off. Yeah. yeah that, they've done that so many times of uh, just saying someone's dumb. Yeah. You know, that, that's not allowed by their terms. And a lot of people like to point out this, this is an, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. A lot of people will quickly follow this up and say, what's well, their platform? They can do what they want. Okay. Well, at what point is the, you know, we, 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 have long believed that phone lines you you can't come in and tell me i can't call someone and say whatever i want on the phone line but that was the main point of communication for most americans now 
it's it is Facebook. You know, I mean, most Americans are on Facebook now. And it does start to enter an area where, um, you know, I, I just wonder, gosh, what's it called? I haven't had enough coffee this morning. I'm, I'm brain farting on what this is called. Um, common carrier. Yeah. You know, are we to a point to where really, like, legally there needs to be more um, enforcement here? And, again, I, I do skew libertarian most of the time on this stuff and not wanting more regulation around it. But it, it, I'm almost to the point of like, well, if they're not going, if they're going to moderate themselves, there at least needs to be some governmental oversight to enforce, uh, you know, the, the First Amendment. So, because you know, if it's broad stroke, everybody communicates through this platform. Is this the new phone line? Right. That's the question. I I, I have come to the conclusion because I'm like you, I I'm pretty much libertarian in just about everything. And I've, I have friends that argue on both sides of this, but I've come to the conclusion it's basically become a common carrier for, for, because we have two separate issues, right? We're like, um, we are not the customers of big tech or of social media platforms. We are the currency. We are the product. Yeah. Um, the big tech companies, social media, Twitter is selling us to advertisers, they are they are buying and selling us. We are the product, and I think oh, they the, harvest your data like correct. a farmer harvests grain. Correct. Yeah. So we're the product. So there's there's a there's a um, th to me I feel like there's a fiduciary responsibility in that situation, and you can say well it's in the terms, but I mean when you have 40, 50, 60 page terms, um, but when we come back to the common carrier aspect of this, you know if if AT and T suddenly started cutting off the phone calls of conservatives because they didn't like their point of view how quickly would that rise to the level of a major uh, crisis right like they right. can't because the product that they're providing is this service and the service is you get to pick up the phone and call whoever the hell you want right um this is the same service that twitter facebook instagram are providing you get to go on this platform and say whatever you want i think section 230 has been badly mangled um you know, I don't like the calls to Trump, I think, was wrong on this when he was like, we got to get rid of Section 230. Like, no, we don't. The original mm -hmm. intent of Section 230 was to allow them to be a forum without having to take responsibility for what what is said. And where where I think regulation needs to come into play in this type of situation is if you decide that you are, in fact, going to censor what happens on your platform, then you also are responsible for what gets through that you don't censor. That's where the regulation needs to take place. You have to make a choice, Twitter. You have to make a choice, Facebook. If you're going to censor things because they cause public harm, then you now are responsible for censoring everything that might cause public harm. And therefore, you're liable for when somebody perceives public harm from something that's said, and they can sue the hell out of you. Or you get protection from Section 230 because you're not, in fact, the publisher. You're just the collector of the grain... You're just the collector of the information and you're reselling the information. Therefore, you're a passive guest in this process. Then you have to leave it alone and let people say what they want to say. And if they run afoul of the law when they say it, then there's, you know, you can regulate that stuff. But other than that, you can't regulate it. So to me, it's not that complicated, but it's way more complicated to input what I just said than it is to just say it. You know what I mean? It is. Yeah, it is. I mean, one of the challenges here is they, they, build these algorithms to be content agnostic at first you know right. they 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 look for people that are watching the same content what did other people that watch this content see 
okay, we're going to show them those videos, which is why YouTube has struggled with the proliferation of things that nobody wants on the platform, like connecting, uh, you know, uh, terrorists together really right. well. Like right. they struggled with that at times because an algorithm uh, will, at, you know, it, it is agnostic at first. You know, I think where uh, we run in, run afoul is things like what I've I've had discussions with LinkedIn's, um, you know, I'll use them as an example. I have this email pulled up in front of me because I was thinking about it while you were talking. Um, you know, I think their algorithm in general looks for things that are getting, you know, quick traction, uh, people that get new jobs. You know, you're going to get a lot of love on LinkedIn for that because it optimizes towards that. Uh, but a lot of this is, again, agnostic. It's looking that, okay, other people that follow Brad, uh, might like this this content because uh, a large pool of uh, people that follow Brad liked it as well, right? right. Where where I think this runs into what you're talking about is in, and there's a lack of clarity publicly facing is when platforms decide what should be of public interest. So I'm going to read you a quote. I, I I went back and forth. My my reach got demolished um this was let's see uh, back last summer or this summer that i started I, I started noticing that my reach was just getting destroyed on on linkedin and so i reached out and i was like hey what's going on do i have a flag on my account or something you know because I've, I've put three years into growing an audience there and like i said i was getting really good reach um it, it was it was a meaningful driver of business believe it or not for go wild because a lot of professionals hunt and fish right, you know right, and, right. and 60 million people in the united states fish and uh, 15 million hunt um so it, it appealed to a lot of people that that admired the fact that somebody on the professional platform was talking about this stuff right and it was my industry right this is what i want to remind people of people, a lot of people are like well linkedin's not facebook everything is an industry to somebody you right. know i don't even care if you're talking about sex toys there's somebody that makes right. this stuff right right, right. it's like so so i went to uh linkedin and complained about this and here's what, after a few banters, here's the, the most damning paragraph that they sent me. They said, we work to keep the platform focused on discussions relating to professional interest and activities. Content that doesn't appear to relate to these topics may not reach a wider audience. Lastly, any content that does not comply with LinkedIn's user agreement and professional community policies may be subject to removal or limited in distribution. That right there is the killer for me. The right. limited in distribution. Yeah. They said, we work to keep the platform focused on discussions relating to professional interest and activities. My thing is, when did LinkedIn get to decide what is professional? Do I have to work at an insurance agency? Do I have to right. work at Amazon or Google to be relevant? You know, to, the, to me, they've decided that my industry, which drives a huge uh, amount of spend within the United States, I mean, the outdoor industry is bigger than construction. Yeah. You know, it, this is this is a monster industry, but they have deemed it as not professional, per their own words. What I just read you was a quote from the LinkedIn help team. Right, and the, the <laughs> most the most insidious part of that, and and this goes to all of these different um, platforms, is that that it might be diminished in terms of its reach, and and I would rather just be censored straight up than diminished because diminished is even more insidious. It's passive aggressive. It's I'm going to let you say it. I'm just not going to let anybody hear it. And that that to me is even more insidious than just saying I'm not going to let you say it. You know what right. I mean? And and they, they're essentially admitting it right there. I don't know if you saw the story or not, but apparently PayPal has gone. Remember the controversy over PayPal doing the uh, we're going to find you twenty five hundred bucks and take money out of yeah. your account. If yeah, you they said like it was an accident. Said. Yeah. So I <laughs> uh, just broke this morning that they snuck it back in after the uh, backlash died down.
Oh my god! Yeah, how do you ever think that like in this digital era, people aren't somebody's going to notice that and post it on a blog? Yeah, but but how <laughs> how the hell is it an accident if they go back and put it back in? Right. I mean, right. right? I mean, it's like, oh, well, we're just going to go back and put it back in after the it's 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 insidious. Okay, so to kind of wrap this up, um, what do you think as somebody who has suffered this and you've kind of found a way around it by developing essentially your own social media platform that has different rules for this, but. What do you think is the solution? Is it more diversification of social media, which takes away the power, so to speak, right? I mean, the power of Twitter is that everybody goes there. The power of Facebook is that everybody goes there. So what is the answer to this? I, th I think the – I mentioned how a lot of these policies are created within Silicon Valley. Um, I think they need – instead of focusing on more people to enforce the current rules, you know, they hire out a lot of this work. I don't know how many employees Facebook has now. Last I heard it was in like the 60,000 range. They're doing too little, though, to better understand these groups that they marginalize. And again, it's not um, just hunting and fishing. That's what I'm most connected with. But I have friends who run CBD businesses that are just getting destroyed from selling a legal product. And, you know, the you can you can take this to any variety of, of uh, businesses. And I think these platforms do too little to really understand what's at play and they they spend a lot of time playing whack-a-mole they oh, hire yeah. more people to uh enforce the policies that they have instead of really opening up uh a broader um acceptance of diversity you know it, it yeah. is really comical to me how much we're talking about diversity and inclusion uh after 2020 and we we are really only talking about this in terms of gender and race right we're not talking about this in terms of uh you know different cultures within our own country right like i grew up in appalachia where the the things that are socially acceptable where i grew up you cannot do in silicon valley without being looked at funny right, right. like i mean right. it's it's uh, but they they don't they, they create these policies to monitor you know 330 million people in our own country or whatever it is up to uh and then seven you know we're, we're literally we have i think facebook has like close to or a billion and a half or something yeah, i don't know what it is something like that. um but you know they aren't really um taking the time to understand these audiences it's a lot of throttling and i don't i don't really know that we can depend on them to ever come around to this i think like I, as much as i hate to say we need more government regulation around this stuff i kind of that's kind of what i feel like is necessary at this point is to enforce some type of common carrier law to where you know similarly to wouldn't it be great if they just at least had to admit uh first step is this post was throttled right you know? would right. it at least be and, and for what expectation and then with the next steps of appeal, right. you know, I mean, on LinkedIn, for example, I just happened to, I, I paid for a service up until recently. I killed the service because it's obvious my LinkedIn's dead. Uh, I paid for a service that I was able to monitor this stuff myself. And I'm like, my God, what happened? How did right. that go from hitting uh, close to 10,000 people to 500? You know, right. this is nuts. Um, but, so I happened to notice it. There was no disclosure with, within the platform until I pushed them on it. And they're like, yeah, we don't like what you post about. Right. You know, right. I think, there needs to be more uh, transparency around when something is throttled and why. Um, a lot of times people are just removed from platforms outright too, and they aren't told why. And, you know, I, I do understand there's some, that, that gets a little more difficult, but if, if something is getting flagged per the terms, there is a section of rules that, that they are saying that that violated. And it, it is conceivable that you could just like Spotify did with Rogan, where they they're transcribing his conversations, 
he mentioned COVID on this episode, so we're going to let people know right. that this is this has not been vetted by the whoever we want to say, and you just know that this is an opinion, right? right? They they did that within a matter of weeks, so you can't tell me that a a company that like a Facebook size couldn't do that to some degree. It's that they don't want to. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. that they don't want to. Yeah. The funny thing about Rogan is if you go to Spotify and you scroll down in his episodes, every single one has a COVID warning. Cause he I know, right? It's like it. it's become white noise because they do it every time. <laughs> I, right? I, yeah. They don't even realize that. Well, hilarious. and if you talk to somebody for three hours, like COVID's going to come up. Yeah, it's going like, to come up. Yeah. I didn't come on here to talk about COVID. Today, and we did. <laughs> but well, you can't really talk about the last two years of censorship without being like, oh, right. hey, remember that pandemic that we all went through? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because so, uh, I mean, really it accelerated it put COVID aside for what we don't have to talk about that just the fact that we went through something like that accelerated the social acceptance level of, of like people were celebrating people getting kicked yes. off Twitter for yes. talking about uh, a, a narrative that was not in line with the CDC yeah now you know I, I don't like to go down these like what's right or wrong about COVID because I'm not a doctor I have opinions on this stuff I just don't like to float it on something right. like this sure but but in general, I feel like you should be able to say something that might counter, uh, you know, the public accepted narrative as long as it's free speech. Right. right like, right. again, uh, you know, I think there does become a point where things can become dangerous. But the level at which we were like, no, you're just not going to talk about that here because we don't think this is right. Hunter Biden's a great example, too, uh, of things that have been flagged, removed and taken down that turned out to be true. Yeah. A lot of things were said about. The, the COVID vaccines that turned out to be true and people were straight up had their content removed or they were removed from platforms for saying some it. lost their livelihoods, you know, as yeah. a result of that. So, well, tell people about go wild. I want people to be able to be a part of your, um, your organization and that community. I think it's important. I think we need to, we need to get people back into hunting. It's, it's a dying art and it's something that's vital to, like I, I said, uh, the primal connection of man to earth. And so how can folks get involved with go wild? What can they do? And what, uh, tell people how they can find you guys. Yeah. Thanks for that opportunity. So the, I will say it's not just hunt fish. That's our focus. Outdoors. But yeah. Like, yeah, it's outdoors. Like there are, there's people that talk about beekeeping on our platform. Love we it. like to say we're an app that's built for outdoor people. It's not necessarily that all the content on the app is outdoors related. We have a music forum. You know, it's very similar to Reddit. So there's different trails is what we call them that you can get into and talk about stuff. Um, for you, for example, if you want to go hardcore into elk hunting, you can even connect with locals. We have a, what's called a near me button Love and it. it'll put you into people that hunt elk in your state or are within 130 miles of where you are now. Yeah. Like you can get that deep into the weeds which is really cool if you're trying to learn something new yep. uh, but we have camping hiking um, there's all kinds of different ways you can interact with people and then on the, the the business model side of what I talked about earlier, like the shopping side, it's actually we get a lot of really positive feedback of people that are passionate to try and shop with us first if we have the products because we give back a uh, percentage of our, our profits to a, a company called Raise Them Outdoors. It's a nonprofit that teaches kids to hunt, fish, and shoot. Love it. So they, it's a three-day camp. They typically bring together about 100 kids. I'm on the board of this organization, and you know we really are trying to give back. And I, I don't want to just be a, a tech company that scales and starts to you know violate everybody's rights just like everybody else like we, we want we want to contribute back and uh you know we're always proud to say like i'm not harvesting any third-party data we use what's called zero-party data you told us you like deer hunting so guess what we might serve you a deer hunting ad right. for something that we sell but if you buy that product i'm going to donate a portion of my profits to charity as a part of you being a part of our platform so like if people want to join they can go to downloadgowild.com 
they are going to get an automated message from me when they sign up. Uh, it, it, it sends to you about 24 hours after you create an account. The, that one is automated, but I swear if you reply and tell me you heard me on the Leland Conway show, I will reply back to you. Uh, well, I'll reply back to you regardless of whether you mention awesome. it. But I always love to you know, know where people are coming from. So uh, give me a shout, um, and I, ho- I hope people enjoy the platform. It's downloadgowild.com, or you can search for us in the app stores. Just go wild one word. Well, I know I know we've got a lot of hunters, uh, fisher, um, a lot of a lot of folks that like the outdoors that listen to this program. So it's really great having you, man. I hope we can talk again soon and stay in touch because I like what you're doing, and I like your willingness to speak out. I mean, you're you're a tech entrepreneur in the tech world speaking out against what some of the tech abuses are, and I think that's pretty brave and courageous and and definitely enjoyed the conversation thanks leland i appreciate it all right have a great day take care all right um big thanks brad latrell uh go wild it's it's an awesome organization awesome app um so check it out check it out for yourself we really appreciate the conversation and his uh you know just kind of exposing what's going on with big tech out there uh, super big thanks to our sponsor louisville cabinets and countertops they have been with us um really since the get-go with this podcast and it's um it, it it's been awesome to have them around and i gotta tell you they they aren't just sponsors i i they did my kitchen and um they I, i'm pretty confident when we when we moved out of uh oldham county we sold our house in less than a day and i'm i'm pretty confident that if uh i i just think that the work that they did is the reason why the house sold so quickly because the, the kitchen was beautiful we actually had them do our master bathroom as well um so we love louisville cabinets and countertops and you will too if you're thinking about getting uh that dream kitchen put in place and by the way if, if you're a do-it-yourselfer they got cabinets in stock in every style you can imagine shaker traditional modern all high quality stuff and it's right there for you 502-930-3304 502-930-3304 Also, big thanks to Bourbon City Golf Carts, new sponsor to the program. You can uh, find them located in Charlestown, Indiana, just 10 miles from Louisville's East End Bridge. Shop anytime on their website or visit their indoor showroom. 0% interest for three years with approved credit. I mean, who's doing that right now, right? That's pretty awesome. Um, And by the way, for a limited time, if you mentioned that you heard about Bourbon City Golf Carts on this show... Um, they are going to include a free gift, a Christmas gift with any golf cart purchase between now and the end of the year. It's a $299 value. So a $300 value, dude, all you got to do is mention that you heard about it on Leland Conway's podcast, the disruption zone. A lot of people are buying, uh, golf carts. We've got a couple of them in our neighborhood. They're pretty cool for like running around the neighborhood. If you use them to play golf, um, or just running errands and stuff, man, it's, it's, it's awesome. And a lot of people are getting into this and they've got a ton of inventory. Go to bourboncitygolfcarts.com. You can see all of their inventory, check out the current deals and you can contact them anytime. Uh, again, they are at 7129 Stacy road in Charlestown, Indiana, just 10 minutes away from the East End Bridge, 502-718-0757, 502-718-0757. And I uh, also want to thank our um, partner in audio, Dynamics Audio Productions. They help us with the audio on this program, so they're awesome. And it's uh, you can find them at dxaudio.com. I love Neil over there. He's helping with the audio and the music and everything else for the show, so we really appreciate him. And thank you for downloading. Literally uh, over 100,000 downloads and continuing to grow. I appreciate uh, your help and all of that uh, by sharing the podcast. 
So you can go to iHeartRadio's app, and it's a free subscription, and it'll send you fresh new episodes to your phone. You can also go to the, um, uh, you can also go to uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Wherever you get your podcast, you can pretty much get us there. So we appreciate that. Thank you once again for listening. I am Leland Conway. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Leland Show. Uh, on Instagram, it's at Greatly Londo. It is the disruption time. <laughs>